Welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Hello, Happy New Year, and welcome back to episode 41 of the Manx Theatre Podcast with me, Neil Cowan. Thank you to everyone who's listened to our previous episodes. If you're brand new to the podcast, welcome along and thanks for joining us. In this podcast, we like to try and keep you up to date with what's going on in theatre on the Isle of Man chatting to the cast and creatives of upcoming shows to find out a little bit more about the shows and the people behind them, and also keeping track of what our Max Born and Bread performers are doing further afield. Coming up on this week's podcast... I'm joined by Sue Tumman and Jeff Pugh from the Douglas Choral Union, ahead of their upcoming production of Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein, which is playing at the Gaiety Theatre from the 10th to the 18th of February. You can still listen to all of our previous episodes through all the usual podcast outlets and at manxradio.com forward slash podcasts. Whilst you're there, make sure to give us a like and click subscribe or follow or whatever it is you need to do to make sure you never miss an episode. As we start the new year, let's take a look back on what we saw and heard in 2022. The DCU started off the year in February with a wonderful production of Disney's The Hunchback of Notre Dame, which saw some fantastic performances from Tony Eccles, Ian Dixon, Jonathan Slight and Leah Carter, who received one of her two Noda nominations for Best Actress as Esmeralda. Not forgetting Vic Wilde and Liam Bean, who understudied Esmeralda and Quasimodo, and the wonderful choir led by the amazing Steve Dakin. March saw the Manx Operatic Society present Sweeney Todd, the Demon Barber of Fleet Street, following a week's delay due to what felt like three quarters of the cast catching Covid the week before the show opened, with the housewife's favourite David Artis in the title role, and a fabulous performance from Gemma Varnum as Mrs Lovett. The show also saw a wicked performance from Alex Toohey as the judge, some fella as the Beadle, and a wonderful performance from Marie Quinn, who stepped in to play the old beggar woman. A special mention should also go out to Ian Dixon, who, just a few weeks after being on stage in Hunchback, joined the cast as a super sub and filled in a number of small company roles until those members made it back out of isolation and back onto stage. Next up in April, we spoke to the cast of Parados Theatre Company's debut production of Shakespeare's Much Ado About Nothing. This saw some great performances from Peter Wicks, Lisa Smith, Dandy Dancox and Lorcan O'Mahony. Special shout out to Lorcan and his wife Katie, who very recently became parents to a beautiful baby girl. The success of this production means that Charlie and Alex will be back on again on the next episode to talk about this year's production of The Merchant of Venice. In May, we spoke to Chris and Susanna Mabry, ahead of Andrama's youth production of Roald Dahl's The Witches. Heading into the summer months, I chatted with the service players ahead of Dick Barton, Special Agent, Three Legs Productions for Once and Taylorian Productions ahead of 42nd Street. We finished off the year with chats with members of Centre Stage Productions Staging of Greece, which just happened to pick up a number of Node nominations and the second Best Actress nomination of the year for Leah Carter as Sandy. The service players were back in October for their 80th anniversary production with a staging of Night Must Fall, which was their first ever play way back in 1942, and saw Rachel Martin and David Dawson in the lead roles as Mrs Bramson and the mysterious Dan. Then, the final episode of the year saw Lisa Kreisky and Chrissy Sutcliffe from Stage or Entertainment chat to us about elegies for angels, punks and raging queens at the Balakamine Studio Theatre, which saw some fantastic performances from each of the 35 performers. There were far too many fantastic performances to pick anyone out, but it was great to see some face on stage that we've not seen before and will hopefully see a lot more of in the coming years. If you missed any of these episodes, they and all 40 previous episodes are available to listen to wherever you get your podcasts. Across the water, during the Christmas New Year period, both Damien Neal and Ben Caron saw performances in their respective understudy roles of Javert and Marius in the UK tour and West End productions of Les Mis. Make sure you keep up to date with what's going on between episodes by following Manx Theatre Podcast on both Facebook and Instagram and at Manx Theatre Pod on Twitter. Right, down to business. I'm joined on the podcast today by Sue Tumman and Jeff Pugh from the Douglas Coral Union, ahead of their upcoming production of Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein which is playing at the Gaiety Theatre in just a few weeks' time. Jeff, Sue, welcome to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Hello, Neil. Hi, Neil. Thanks for having us. No problem. Jeff, I should say welcome back, because you were here 18 months or so ago. Yeah, I'm honoured. Yeah, I was here with Chrissy Sutcliffe uh, just before... Marion, yeah. the true tale of Robin Hood with service players. So yeah, thank you for having me back twice. I no must have offended you last time. <laughs> well, not enough anyway. <laughs> <laughs> so how did that go? Because you were playing Little John, weren't you? I was playing Little John. It was fantastic. That was my first lead role since coming back to the island. Um, service players was who I started back with when I came over here, thanks to Toby Smith, who's an old school friend of mine, and his wife Lisa. Um, so it was a fantastic show, and Chrissy, well, 
Chrissy's Chrissy. Chrissy was great. It was a great show and great playing opposite her and the rest of the cast. Yeah, it was fantastic. Yeah, it was a lot of fun. Uh, but we're not here today to talk about Marion. We're here to talk about Young Frankenstein. This is with the Douglas Choral Union. It's on in a few weeks' time. It's the 8th of February, I think, is opening night. Is that right? Uh, 10th, 10th to the 18th. 10th to the 18th. I knew there was eight in there somewhere. Yeah. So, for those who've never heard of Young Frankenstein, give us a little bit of a, an idea of, of the story behind it. So, Young Frankenstein was... It's a film. Uh, it's a 1974 film. Uh, the idea originally came from Gene Wilder. I think it was on the set of Blazing Saddles. Yes. Um, and Mel Brooks was obviously involved in that as well. And Gene Wilder spoke to Mel Brooks about an idea he had. Um, he was a big fan of the Frankenstein movies. And he'd had an idea about, what if the grandson of Frankenstein really doesn't like the name Frankenstein, <laughs> doesn't really like what he did, um, and rallies against it. And... Obviously, the comic genius of Mel Brooks and Gene Wilder spawned what has become a cult film. And they were very insistent from the beginning. In fact, I think they threatened not to make it if they weren't allowed to film it in black and white. Mel Brooks was absolutely, and Gene Wilder, were determined to film it and make it like... Like a proper classic horror film, a yeah. Cla- classic horror film from the 30s, yeah, yeah absolutely. And they, they wanted the dodgy zooms, they wanted the, you know, the camera movements, um, and all of the credits to look like a 1930s film. And it's become a cult classic. It is, it's fantastic. So, the general story then? The general story is uh, Frankenstein's grandson, who is Frederick Frankenstein. So our, or Frankenstein. Uh, Frankenstein, yes, that's one <laughs> of the jokes in the show. Um, so yeah, um, Frederick Frankenstein, um, played by the wonderful Tony Eccles. He essentially inherits the castle and has to travel over to Transylvania and discovers his grandfather's lab, his old assistants, some of the staff in the castle. And it's it's a pure it's a parody, it's a comedy. Yeah. It's it's a real um a real true Mel Brooks comedy. Romp. But with a yeah, but with a really lovely story, amazing music, uh, which is all with the exception of one song, um, is all Mel Brooks. Yeah. Um, and yeah, it's fast paced. It's not that long a show, really. When you can when you compare it to other shows, uh, it goes. It, the pace is amazing. It really, um, it really travels along. Um, but yeah, if if comedy and music is your thing, then it's it's absolutely up your street. And that one exception, then that'll be yeah, putting on the Ritz. That would be putting on the Ritz, yeah. yeah. Irving, famous Irving Berlin song, which was brought into the show and is right in the middle of the second act and is just fabulous. It's amazing. Um, the, the, the tap routine goes at about 100 miles an hour. <laughs> yeah. um, and Jeff gets involved in that as well yes, um, with his top hat, top hat and cane, so props to Boot as well. Oh. Um, and very, very large Frankenstein monster boots on his feet as well. So he does a sterling job of navigating the routine and all the extra accessories that come with playing the monster. Yeah, so Jeff, so you're the monster. I am. Challenging uh, dialogue? Yes, I think, I've de- <laughs> I think I've described it quite accurately in um, my bio for the, for the programme. Um, and that is, in comparison to my last plays slash show I've got very little dialogue in this uh-huh. I've got quite a lot of dialogue in the last scene but up until that point I'm mainly grunting and I'm mainly <laughs> grunting at Sue and if you listen and watch carefully I think you'll probably find about 127 different types of grunts yeah. um, so you know, such is my range. I put so much feeling into all the different grunts. Yeah. Um, it's just like Vin Diesel with his, his many variations on I am grunt. <laughs> In, yeah, almost exactly like that. Yeah. Um, but not much dialogue for me, um, which is great, which means I can actually concentrate on trying to. Well, a lot of the comedy is physical in this show yeah. anyway. But yes, I'm painted green, I'm on platform shoes, and. It's trying not to go over the top with that stuff and rein it back in because a lot of the comedy is just in what you see. Yeah. Um, and particularly, uh, Sue and I have got a great scene together. In fact, we've got a couple of good scenes, but one particular scene, um, which hopefully the audience will find as funny and as fun and enjoyable as 
we've had making it because it's it's incredible. So, Sue, then you're playing uh, Elizabeth Benning. I am, yes. So Elizabeth is the fiance of right. Frederick Frankenstein. She's an American. She's a socialite. She is probably, it's fair to say, has a very um, healthy appetite for men, but seems to want to abstain from having any sort of physical contact with her fiance Frederick. Um, but it can very easily have her head turned by by other chaps in the vicinity. Uh-huh. Um, so yeah, I play Elizabeth. She is a very big, very bold character. I'm delighted to have three big smashing songs and sort of dance routines in the show as well. They're all very different. They're big things. The scene that Jeff sort of referred to before is kind of a, a, a moment in the show where where the monster and Elizabeth sort of, shall we say, cement their interest in one another. Oh, right. And, uh, and Elizabeth goes on to sing a song that's um, entitled Deep Love. Um, <laughs> so read into that what you will. Um, Not an innuendo and there as well. It is incredibly difficult, not only to sing the song because it's a big sing, yeah. but to sing it when you have an audience of people in a rehearsal room sat in front of you who are absolutely in stitches <laughs> because of what's going on on Jeff's face. <laughs> Um, so it is. It's it's incredibly difficult to keep a straight face and sing your way through the song, um, but it, it, I mean it's been amazing fun Absolutely. so far. When we're really looking forward to bring it onto the stage. Marvelous. So looking at the rest of the cast, then we have got uh, Leah Carter playing Inga. Yep. Uh, what's Inga's role? So Inga plays a young woman who ultimately is appointed to the role of the laboratory assistant. Right of Frederick Frankenstein, Frankenstein, and she is a beautiful young Transylvanian woman who has an enormous amount of allure and appeal, <laughs> and, and ultimately her relationship develops throughout, yeah. the, um, throughout the show with Frederick. And she, again, I mean, Leah has got a fantastic role and she does an absolutely phenomenal job. She has one song where she is on a hayride yodeling um, and the range of the song yeah. is 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 incredible oh, yeah. um, and and she's quite literally sort of bouncing up and down on a hayride yodeling you know almost a topsy so Wowzers. you know she's she's phenomenal she's incredibly talented i think that was one of the scenes early on in the rehearsal process obviously when you've got two actors like tony eccles and leah carter they came to that rehearsal very early on and they knew the song, they knew the dialogue. And I think that was the first memory I have in the rehearsals of sitting there and all of us were there. And each time we rehearse and we rehearse up at um, Onken Methodist, they always do that scene on the stage and yes. we're all sat around. So we're literally watching it as if it's on stage and it's the only thing that's happening on stage. And everyone was crying with laughter mm. there was just tears everywhere because it's so funny it's so physical yeah. this how on earth leah manages to hit the note and it's not an easy song is it it's, no, not it's at uh, all. not at um, all there literally is as sue says there's yodeling in it and it's just and they're bouncing along on the hay it, it's it, it really is amazing and and it's and it's physical but not in the sense that you know, from a from an audience's point of view, it's just full of innuendo. Yeah, it's very, very naughty mm. and very cheeky, um, and they just they just you know translate the the humour and the brilliance of that song just remarkably. It's it's really good. Innuendo seems to be coming up quite a lot here. I mean, it's it's Mel Brooks, so there's going to be a level of it. So I'm guessing that it's it's probably more suited for a slightly older audience. Um. Yeah, I, some of the innuendo isn't innuendo. It's really literally in your face, but it's yeah. not. It, none of it is literally. offensive. Literally in your face. Yeah, <clears throat> none of it is offensive. So I don't. I can't think I've seen anything official that says there's an age limit. Yeah, you may not want to bring your youngest of children, but certainly, you know, um, um, high school. Uh, yeah, early high school, easy, no problem at all. It's there's no adult themes yeah. in it, and there's very few words that would even raise a teacher's eyebrow yeah to but be it's... fair my, my my six-year-old son george has been attending <laughs> lots of rehearsals um <laughs> and i have 
you know, no hesitation in him coming along and, and sort of enjoying the, the spectacle that is young yeah. Frankenstein. It's it's naughty and it's cheeky. Yeah. It's not offensive. Yeah, good. So go back to the cast again then. Oh, Fred Blucher, we have Lisa Kreisky. I mean, that is an amazing comedy role and, and who better than Lisa for, for that role? Absolutely. It's such an interesting character because, the again, there's a lot of facial expression involved with this particular character and the accent as well. And Lisa is just absolutely deadpan, but then can just, you know, at the, the, the flick of a head or a very quick one-liner bring out this incredible humour mm. and actually a slightly warm side to the character that, that she plays. The, the character was played actually in the, I believe, the original West End production by Leslie Joseph. Yes. And, you know, I think, you know, if Leslie, Leslie Joseph saw Lisa's performance, she would be incredibly chuffed because Lisa is just doing such an amazing job with it. Yeah, I mean, I've seen clips, and I think I've I've got the West End recording as well with with Leslie Joseph in, and they yeah. get, I couldn't see anyone else other than Lisa playing that role. It's no. just no, it's perfect for her. It is an iconic role. It has pure comedy, but in a deadpan face. Mm. If if you happen to see the promo video on Facebook, um, we shot that before Christmas. That was a really long but enjoyable day. You can even the clips that Lisa does in in that promo you can see the variation in the faces yeah. and the mole it is yeah it's and, and she's great at it absolutely great wonderful so then we have david lyons playing igor or is it igor wow well well which one is it Nick? <laughs> maybe it's both uh, or is, is no i'm gonna say it's, it's igor well, we're not going to ruin the surprise. Oh, okay, okay. Well, no, there's no surprise. It's I can't remember which one it is, which, <laughs> which way around it is. There's, there's a real obvious joke about it at the beginning yeah. when we do the whole Frankenstein, Frank, Frankenstein, and there's a, an interplay between David and uh, Tony over that very thing. So I actually can't remember which way around no, it is. No, I can't is. either. It's one or the other. Yeah, it is. <laughs> it's a bit of both. Wasn't his grandfather Igor, Igor as, yes. as well? So. Yes, yes, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, But David is great that of of all of the characters well I guess, I guess mine's fairly physical but but in a different way david has got to obviously there's a hunch yeah um and there's a stoop and there's a way of walking that is that comes from the movie very distinct way that um that igor moves and dave has really really practiced that and again i remember seeing it for the first time uh, shortly after the auditions and he's nailed it. Um, mm. And there's so much comedy in just the movements. And in fact, in one of the, uh, in one of his songs, there's a lot of comedy around the movement. And you know, we, I think in general day to day life, we now have the phrase, you know, walk this way, yeah. and that comes from the movie. You know, um, <laughs> no, no, walk this way, and then you drag the heel or you <laughs> drag a leg. That's from this movie. There's so much in modern parlance that comes from that movie. Yeah. Um, uh, and that's one of them. So Dave has done a, an amazing job at bringing Igor to life and deciding which side his hump is on, which is an <laughs> ongoing joke and theme throughout the show. And he's still young enough that he probably doesn't need three trips to the chiropractor a week to keep him going. No, I, well, I mean, he's he always does <laughs> complain at the end of a scene he's, when he gets to stand up again. I think any any show where you're having to do something different physically. Yeah. Um, I know he has been really working on his fitness recently whether that's specifically related to this show or just general life health i don't know yeah. but he's he's in good shape and i think you need it for this because he's yeah. he's quite physical yeah. um, in the role not dissimilar to yourself though jeff because obviously you do well, there like is one one moment in the show where there's an enormous pylon and, and jeff is effectively at the bottom <laughs> it is an enjoyable pylon um but yes and not only that because i fall on the floor twice in the show Mm. From oh, a great only height. twice from a great height, oh, okay. yeah. Um, and I actually haven't. So I, I've, I've very generously was um, was lent a pair of shoes by Mark Britton that he used in Adam's family. Yes, because he was lurch, wasn't he? He was, yeah. And I asked if I could borrow them, and they are. I think he had them done in one of the uh, shops in Douglas, and they are. I think five or six inch heels on them, but they are proper 
leather or rubber yeah and they are so heavy and i wore them for about two or three rehearsals and i just couldn't do it because i think they're a little bit higher than the ones i'll actually be wearing yeah. and they're about three times the weight hopefully because a lot especially with the dancing and the falling over i mean i'm, I'm six foot two anyway so when you add six inches onto that it's a long way to go up. it's a long way to yeah. fall on your bum um so and then it's a long way to fall on your bum and then have three other people fall on top of you um so yeah <laughs> brilliant so other members of the cast then we've got mark doherty's inspector kemp yes it's a hilarious role. Mark is brilliant at it. He's got a very unique accent, I think, is probably um, the best way to describe it. But it adds to the comedy yeah. value of, of, of the show and of his character. So he plays um, Inspector Kemp, who is effectively the, I guess, the local policeman in, in Transylvania. And is he a bit of a Van Helsing type character? Yeah, he's the antagonist yeah. of yeah. the show. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. He effectively is wanting to get to the bottom of what's going on in... Yeah in Castle Frankenstein or, you know, Transylvania. And, and um, he's doing some, what is it, serious, world-class... Snooping. Snooping, <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and, I mean, just in that one word, you can imagine Mark Doherty's face. Yeah. I think he must be one of the finest facial actors. Mm. Um, there's There's no... There's no twist and turn that that face can't make. Yeah. It's It's quite something to behold. And, of course, the other physical characteristic of the... Um, of the character is he is without one leg and one arm, um, so they are robotic or they're you know yeah. false limbs. Yeah. Obviously, they're not. Mark has all four appendages. However, he then has to act them, and he does it miraculously. And in in one particular, um, I think the arm is supposed to be mechanical, isn't yeah. it? You know, and there's there's sound effects to go with it, and it just cracks me up every time and I've got to be sat there with my eyes closed unconscious and I can hear this and I can I know it's happening next you to just me know what's it's, going on, it's yeah. so difficult not to corpse pardon the pun um yeah it's, it's really good it must be difficult actually you, I mean a lot of people are very expressive with their arms and their hands and to know actually I can't do that with this arm because that has just got to be robotic yeah yeah, yeah absolutely his, his I think it's his right yeah it's his right arm has very distinct movements yeah so yeah, keeping your arm to those movements and then expressing everything else about your character with, you know, one functioning leg and one functioning arm and <laughs> the facial expressions to go. And I think the the costume for it is quite distinctive as well. So I think, you know, when we start to see the the stage photos and I think he will feature quite prominently because it's a great outfit and a mm. great character and it sounds like there's a whole lot of choreography outside of the normal choreography for the for the whole piece with the different walks and the styles and the yeah uh, yeah I think there is um, I, I think the of all of the characters who I think the only character who doesn't have unique movement in some way is probably Tony's character yeah. um, Dr Frankenstein everyone else in some way has got some physical performance to make because of the character yeah mm. and. Uh, and that that's a challenge in itself yeah and i think that's sort of down to the fact that it is you know that sort of parody of a an american comedy horror film everything is deliberately exaggerated yeah for comedy effect mm. Um, so you know the facial expressions, the movement, the, the damsel walks, in distress. The, and, yeah, yeah, very much so. Yeah, although having having said that, Scott, who's the director, is very very keen on the comedies in the script. Yeah, yeah, the comedies in the script don't overegg it. Yeah. You know, get through the script, move on, move on, Keep move the on. Pace. Yeah. Keep yeah. the pace because we're all you know we're all putting hopefully good performances in and keeping the pace the comedy will come mm. so i don't yeah. think there's although there is lots of physical comedy in it we're not it's not a we're not sending ourselves up no. we, the, the genre is sending yes. up frankenstein and Correct. it's in the script rather than us having to overact it mm. i mean it was the same with spamlot as well there's no point trying to ad lib and improve on what's there you know that you know it's tried and tested it's it's Absolutely. monty python What's written is is perfect and has been it's, honed. It's golden. Yeah, it's golden. Yeah. yeah, there's no point trying trying to improve on it. You know, yeah. just just do what's there. Absolutely. <laughs> yeah. So the final member of the of the principal cast then is Mike Bonner, who's playing the hermit. Yes, and brilliant at it he is as well. I'll let you. I mean, you do the you do the wonderful scene with him. So I'll let you talk about um, that, Jeff. Yeah. For for someone who doesn't say very much in the show, I I, I do get 
some of the amazing scenes and I get to play opposite Mike Bonner who is playing the blind man Mm -hmm. the hermit and everyone will have seen actors who are playing blind characters and there's a very specific way of moving or not moving your eyes Mike has obviously studied that Mm, because he does it really well and that's you might think okay fine he's the character's blind how important is that but the the comedy in our scene the hermit scene is very much to do with the fact that he's blind. Yeah. And like with a lot of comedy, it's in the detail and doing it over and over and over again. And the scene is about pace and it's about precision. And he's got a song in it, which is fabulous which is as well. Yeah, it's actually quite a heartbreaking it is. song. Yeah, which I utterly destroyed by crashing through the door at the end of it. <laughs> um, but it's a, it's a magical little scene. Mike's got a fabulous voice, as you know. Yeah. Um, so listening to him sing it and perform it, and he's got that rich tone to his yeah. voice as well. Yeah, it's a wonderful scene. Brilliant. So they're looking at the ensemble, and there's there's and there's quite a big ensemble as well, isn't there? But also, I mean, I've done a few shows with the DCU, so there's there's a lot of well-known names here, like Georgia Christian, Jess McManus. We've got Hannah Williams. We've got Gary Corkle, Chris Jagus, Bryony Grant, Andrew Dayton. There's, there's uh, Bobby Graham. There's people that's done lots of shows with with DC, but there's also a few names here that are that are fairly new to me as well. So I'm guessing there's some some nice new people in there this year as well. Yeah, um, Matthew, you're both new to the DCU as well, so you probably don't know. <laughs> yes. Yeah. Yeah. I've done one DCU show before. I've almost done one DCU show um, it was quite funny actually I, so I was I was supposed to be in uh, and I did start audition uh, auditions uh, with the rehearsals with um, Hunchback Right. unfortunately I had to pull out just before Christmas with a, a family member who wasn't very well and when we cast for Young Frankenstein my very first rehearsal was a singing rehearsal with Tony Eccles <laughs> and of course Tony was in Hunchback mm. and I I went into him. He's like, "Oh, Jeff, nice to see you. Nice to see you, Tony." And he sort of turned to me very seriously and went, "So you're actually going to make it to stage with this one?" <laughs> <laughs> so, um, yes, uh, exactly. Yeah, yeah. A couple of weeks to go. Um, but yeah, the cast, the the, the ensemble. I, I'm always in awe of the ensemble anyway because they've got to know every song, know every dance, sing and dance together, mm. which I find amazing. Yeah, and. There's a lot of the ensemble pieces in this. There's a lot of movement, whether it's the tap mm-hmm. um, in the Ritz, Transylvania Mania. There's some big numbers which have huge dances associated yeah. with them and real spectacles right from the opening scene. You know, the opening scene is, is the brain. It's one of my favorite songs of the show. Yeah. Um, the dance and the movement is mm. incredible. So, yeah. The- and, and on top of that as well, the um, the ensemble have some particularly challenging harmonies to navigate their way through. Oh, you know, there's, yeah, yeah, there's some sort of four or five part harmonies. Yeah. And I mean they sound amazing, but there's some deliberate clashes in there, you know. Yeah. And Liz has been working really, really hard, um, and the ensemble have worked incredibly hard to pull together some absolutely brilliant sounding numbers, you know, really big big noise and, and top quality. They've done a really good job. And as Jeff says, whilst in lots of the scenes moving you know shifting furniture you know dancing all sorts so that they really are all things to all aspects of this show so this is that's liz dixon then back as back yes. as md yes yes and is she going to be in the in the pit waving the hands as well she is Marvelous. thankfully yes i yeah. think it was a uh, shrek i think it was was and as much as time as i spent watching people on stage i was watching liz in the pit just boogieing away she's she's brilliant and she just she keeps everyone going she keeps the momentum moving i know that's the the role of a musical director but the enthusiasm and the energy that you see when you look at liz it it keeps the momentum it keeps the pace moving forwards yeah i mean she really does move when we hit the theater she moves from the musical director role into the conductor so yeah. she's yeah. not just conducting the, the orchestra in, in a lot of ways, she's conducting the cast yeah. Yeah. Um, through the musical numbers. Yeah. And like with any musical, timing is everything. Coming off the notes at the right time, yeah. you know, just makes it neat and, and sound and look professional. And Liz is all about that. And she drills all of us pretty yeah. hard because that really is the, you know, if you're looking for the, the finishing touches to a show to make it really look slick, that's where you get that extra 10% from and she's 
always on top of it for that. Yeah, when when she's in when she's in teacher mode as well. <laughs> well, yeah. Yes. Have, you, have yeah. you had the stare? A few times, but it's it, only when only when necessary. <laughs> <laughs> Deployed yeah. when it's been deserved. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. But I think we should also probably acknowledge the um, the, the booth singers as well. You know, oh, because yeah. they they really um, you know they, they come along to the the vast majority of rehearsals where we're doing pretty much a run through of, of an act or the full show, and they don't they're not party to the full production side of things, but yeah. they come along and their energy and their sound and their you know the quality of their singing each and every time is is fantastic and it really elevates every single number that yeah. uh, that they're involved in gives a bit of oomph yeah very yeah. much so yeah Brilliant. So this is this is Scott's uh, first production with the DCU, but he has been on the island before because he has done four or five shows with the Max Operatic. So he did Hot Mikado, Titanic, uh, Anything Goes, and Grand Hotel. And I think there was another one, but I can't think what it is off the top of my head right now. But So he's no stranger to the Isle of Man and, and the gaiety, so he knows how things work. So mm. how does he find working with the DCU? Well, I, I, you'd probably have to ask him yeah. how he finds it with the DCU in general. Um, but certainly from our perspective, we've had... He's been over... No, we've done... Is it one set of blocking or two? We've one. Two. We've, oh, we've done two. two. Yes, yes, yes. Sorry, done two. Yeah. And we're doing another week of blocking the week before tech. He's been great. He yeah. he He knows... Obviously, he's the director. He knows what he wants to yeah. see. But he's very... There's a lot of latitude in you bringing yep. the performance. He yeah. knows where you want. He wants you to stand. He wants you to look this way. He wants you to interact and cross over there, there, and there. But within the character, there's there's lots yeah. of I, I, a lot I, of freedom. Absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. yeah. If he doesn't like something that you're doing, oh, he'll tell he will you. tell oh, yeah. you. <laughs> you know, he'll let you know. But but that's the really wonderful thing about working with Scott is he will give you some placement and that sort of thing, but let you. Let work you through with the character yeah. and, and see what works and what doesn't work and and it's nice to have that freedom really and when he gives you notes that they're not very specific notes about the thing that you should do he's always thinking well what's going on here and how would mm. someone in that position talking to that person react and you know yeah we want to create this atmosphere so how would we so it, from my perspective you know the grunter in the crowd <laughs> um the, the the notes and the direction have been quite you know we're given quite a lot of latitude to characterize ourselves just thinking what are you thinking when you're grunting in that way <laughs> well you know Probably it's a process uh, <laughs> <laughs> it's it's a process you're listening to the manx data podcast with neil cullen last time you were on jeff we, we found out all about you but let's find a little bit more about sue so so how did you get started what was it that first sort of got you onto the stage my parents sent me to ballet lessons mm -hmm. when i was three and so I spent sort of my early years doing lots of dance school shows and, and, and productions and things. Was that with the Christine Wilde? No, that was before I moved to the island, actually. Oh, right, okay. So uh, I moved to the island in 1991. Um, and actually, the year before I moved over was my first sort of real, I guess, foray onto the stage in a, in a musical. And it was um, Captain Stirrick with the National Youth Music Theatre okay. on the Edinburgh Festival. And the the role I played was a young girl called Peg, and my brother was actually played by Stephen Graham right. of Pirates of the Caribbean and Snatch, and you know, and now most Matilda. recently Matilda, yes. the musical, fantastic um, actor, love Stephen yeah. Graham. Yeah, he's he's phenomenal. And so yeah, I did a, a couple of shows with with the National National Youth Music Theatre, came over to the island, and then joined the Christine Wilde Theatre School and did countless productions mm. with her over the years. Did um, I imagine it, or did you play Dorothy at one point I with Christine? I did, yes. Also. I did play Dorothy, yes. And my mum made my, my costume for, for The Wizard of Oz, yeah. And then I did sort of, from Christine, sort of introducing me to other companies that were coming over to the island, either for summer seasons or for Christmas season. I did pantomime. I played Wendy in um, in Peter Pan and had the experience of flying high above the above the gaiety stage and and various other sort of productions over the years but actually when it comes to the you know the the mainstream societies on the island yeah i've done a couple of shows with the service players back in the day um yes actually i, I was listening back to jeff's episode this afternoon just to think what i'd asked, asked him last time and i realized you've both been in a production of the boyfriend 
There we are, correct. That's right. Yes, yeah, you did it at, uh, was it King Bills, was it? Yes, yeah, that would have been probably oh, 90, 92 or 93 maybe. I play, played Lord Brockhurst yeah. um, in The Boyfriend, yeah. Well, I played, I think my character was called Polly Brown, and I played opposite Housewife's favourite... David Artis. David Artis, <laughs> yes. yes. So, um, so, yeah, so I did service players, and then I d- did um, The Sound of Music with the DCU, and then most recently, I did um, Les Mis with Manx Ops mm-hmm. just a few years back, and I understudied Fontaine and got to play that role a couple of times. So that was incredible. Yeah. But yeah, so it's it's been lots of singing and lots of dancing and and stuff over the years. It's been Marvelous. great fun. I mean, you had a bit of a gap because you you moved to Singapore for a while, didn't you? I did. Yeah. So, and I have to say, actually, when I came back from, I was in I was in Asia for almost nine years, and when I wasn't long after doing um, The Sound of Music that I left and, and, and moved overseas. And I came back to um, find the, the, the standard and the quality of production and the investment of, of time and energy and, and everything about the musical theatre scene on the Isle of Man had elevated itself yeah. to a completely different level. 2004 to 2010, there was a huge difference. Sort of prior to 2004... Yeah. Some of it was still quite church holy. Mm. I think there was just quite a successful period of good directors and musical directors and coming shows, in, and amazing you know, shows that Miss come Saigon in. Miss Saigon and, and mm. Phantom and Cats. Lay Le- Exactly. So you know, coming back to the island then, and wanting to sort of reimmerse yourself into that that kind of world of, of of arts and culture here, it was incredibly exciting, but also incredibly daunting. Yeah, because. You know, everyone's so good at what they do. Yeah. So can I still do it? Yeah, that, yeah, that's the thing. So actually, you know, I I did audition for a few things. I have I get absolutely wrapped with audition nerves. Oh, and, hate them. Yeah, t- puts the fear of God into me every single time. But um, you know, it 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 worked out this time with uh, with Young Frankenstein, and yeah, it's so exciting to be to be involved with the DCU in this production. Brilliant. What's what's the favourite role that you've played? Favourite role? Well, I'd have to say. Although I was understudy, I have to say Fontaine and Les Mis. That mm. that's just that was a a dream come true. I dreamed a dream. <laughs> it's yeah. a bucket list tick, isn't it? Uh, oh, big time! Yeah, absolutely. Yeah. So talk about bucket list then. Mm. What is the dream role? What what is the one role that you are itching <laughs> to play? Do you know? I would absolutely love to play the character played by Meryl Streep in the movie, Donna Sheridan in um, Mamma Mia. Oh, yes. I just think that you know, it's such a vibrant, fun musical with all the ABBA music, the influence of that. I just think that would be... You know, I'm, I'm the right age to play that kind of a character nowadays, yeah. so I'm in that bracket. Yeah. Um, the parent yeah. roles, it comes to us all, doesn't it? Absolutely. <laughs> but, yeah, that would be the most fun, the most exciting. I'd love to play that, that role. Do you know, and it's it's been out for a long time now, so it's, it's surely it's it's only a matter of time. I mean, fingers crossed. It sounds like a Taylorian type summer show, really, doesn't it? Yeah, could be. Yeah. Could well be. Could be. Yeah, first. Well, we'll have to uh, have to bend uh, <laughs> Matt James's ear and see what <laughs> yeah. we can see what we can do. There's there's a question that I I used to ask, and I haven't asked for a long time. But if we kind of put age, race, ethnicity, sexual preference, whatever, to one side, what is the wrong role that you would love to play? And it doesn't matter which gender, which age. Because obviously, you know, there are there are new shows that have come out in the last twenty years that mm. you know we're no longer old enough or the right age to play that teenage role. You know, the dear Evan Hansen's, the the yeah. Jamie. You know, mm-hmm. is is there a role like that that you know you know you're too old for now or you're the wrong build, whatever for that that you would love to play? Um, I mean, yeah, taking taking all of what you've just said into account, being the wrong age and the wrong build and and all of that sort of stuff. <laughs> Correct gender, but actually the role I always wanted to play when I was younger was Christine in Phantom. Oh, yeah. Because I was very much into my ballet. I loved ballet. I loved classical singing. Um, I, you know, that's that was kind of my initial training when I when I when I was doing singing lessons in my earlier years. Um, and I just used to always be going around the house singing songs from Phantom. So yeah, that ship has long sailed. But that would be <laughs> that would be the one for me. What about you, Jeff? You know, being six foot four and a strapping man, you know, is, is there a role that's you know that isn't suitable for you as a person to play? But you know, would is one that you would love to hit? Well, given how you've just described me, I think any role. <laughs> <laughs> 
can't remember. I think you may have asked this question last time or similarly, and I, I can't remember what I said. I don't really... Th there isn't one particular role that I really want to play because of a particular song or a particular show. I My roots are predominantly in comedy. That's where I feel... Comfortable. Comfortable. Yeah. Uh, I'd love to do some more serious stuff as well, but I guess any any comedy role, and if gender, shape, size, talent, um, or anything else um, Vocal range. Were, was, yes, was, was off the table, then I, there's, there's too many. I, I couldn't particularly pick one. Sorry. Put okay. you down as a Mary Poppins, maybe? Go for Mary Poppins. Mary Poppins yeah. Yeah. Perfect. I, yeah. heard him say I mean, Perfect. you know, DCU are doing a Vita next, so maybe Eva Peron. Yeah. Never, you know. Yeah. I could see that, yeah. Yeah. Up on the up on the balcony. Yeah, yeah. M make my pitch here. Yeah. <laughs> right. So over the years, we've still done shows with varying budgets, and uh, costumes have been better in some than others. What would you say is the best and possibly the worst costume that you've ever had to wear? Oh, um, I'm going to say the best costume, thanks to my wonderful mother, was my Dorothy from The Wizard of Oz, blue and white. Gingham frock. I'm going to say my worst costume was my curtains, my dress made of curtains in The Sound of Music. <laughs> Did absolutely nothing. <laughs> Pattern aside, it was it was it was undesirable. Well, perfect. Jeff, <laughs> <laughs> uh, now you mentioned last time that it was your your many layers of furs that you wore as Little John was possibly the worst with the heat. <laughs> Oh, and wait. Yeah, absolutely. And the shows I've done, uh, the plays I've done with service plays so far, have all been summer shows. Um, and I know it's hot on stage and backstage all throughout the year in the gaiety, but that was particularly, and, and that that role as well was very <clears throat> was very physical. I was all over the place, and again, fighting and falling on the floor. It seems to be a theme. Um, so whilst the 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 costume was a great costume it was probably the worst because of the sweat yeah. and that didn't get any better really I've got to say with my service players outing this year um, because well, uh, last year now oh gosh yeah we're 2023 now aren't we oh my word yes last year 2022 and uh, we did Dick Barton and I played Baron Scarhart the uh, the arch nemesis to the titular role and not that the name would give it away at all no, no, no. and again i had i borrowed it from alex brindley of this parish and he lent me he for some reason has got a almost down to the floor black leather jacket and which i wore over the top of a leather waistcoat and it was boiling so getting hot and sweaty seems to be a theme with me and my roles. At, at least in the gaiety these days, there's a lot of LED lighting, so there isn't quite yes. the same amount of heat from the grid that there used to be. Mm. No, that is true. That is true. And in terms of best costume, I'm actually probably going to say this show, because mm. the, the costume is, is great, and I've got a couple of, for the first time for me, actually, a couple of quick changes to deal with as well, which are going to be challenging, because <laughs> I've got... Uh, <laughs> huge hands. Huge hands. Um... <laughs> So uh, that's going to be, in, and we haven't done those yet, so um, roll on tech week. But for me, obviously, I've got to wear, well, I say obviously, you look at me and maybe you'd think I don't, but I've got to have quite a, an elaborate prosthetic um, on my, what, what are you laughing at, Neil? <laughs> and it's green. <laughs> it's green. Um, and this I is on to, your head, yes. It's, yes, yeah, on my head, on yeah. my head. Yes, just glad we established that. That's another line in the yeah, show, we, which we were going to. Um, but yeah, so I. This is the first time um, any show I've done. I had to go and have a makeup test, and Jude Fullerton and her wonderful team looking after me and doing the makeup test i think the first time we did it it was two and a half hours yeah to get it on and to and obviously they were testing out the different shades and and everything else it's but that's, unbelievable it, it looks so great good. it looks great yeah. i know i know that they're being really careful on a lot of the photographs that they took on the promo they're trying to hold some of them back i think yeah. they want the monster uh, look to be one of the last things that you see or yeah. even on the stage because it's that good you know it's it's a good couple of hours in the seat did you have like a like a full sort of head 
mould taken to have it done or is it no i didn't have to have that done fortunately for those who have seen me recently or know me i'm similar to yourself a shaven follically challenged follically challenged and <laughs> a nice smooth schwad um and so it just sits on the top and actually from a heat perspective it's it's only siliconed in on the front and the side right because i've got hair at the back so it's left dangling at the back so uh -huh. i've got a little bit of air to get in the back but even still with all of that and then blending it in it, it looks incredible it's going to get warm as well it is going to be warm yeah. yes i had a conversation with jude early this week about um ice packs and ice vests and all of that kind of stuff and i've got to start the the sweat stop for those who know what that is it's yes. uh, the product to stop you sweating i think i'm starting that a week before tech week to because it it's obviously more effective the earlier that you start to use it yeah um so i'm starting that a week before tech week so that i don't melt or don't sweat the prosthetic off yeah jonathan and ian had a bit of a nightmare in in shrek and also uh, when we did spam a lot jack divers as patsy had this lovely little leather cowl yes and of course it just sweats oh mm. you, you get hot because you're dancing around and he's got a big rucksack on as well all the way through but then it just doesn't evaporate through the leather skull cap it just stays there and, and the last thing you want um as you all know is you, you don't want the sweat going into your eyes yeah mm. um Take, taking makeup with it taking makeup with it yeah so yeah from a costume and a and a makeup perspective i think this will be probably the the, the most challenging but the best that I've done so far as well. Brilliant. Okay, gender swap then. This is the this is the fun one. I think you you answered this one last time, but uh, so this one then too. This is this is just just for you. So if you could play any part of the opposite gender, what would it be? Well, I'd have to say the uh, the monster oh. in Frankenstein, because now having uh, having been through five months of rehearsals with <laughs> my esteemed friend here. Mr. Pugh, he delivers an absolute masterclass in how to play this role. And I'd, I'd love to be seven foot tall, however many feet wide monster that effectively steals every scene of the show. I mean, I, what, what a dream role. Brilliant. <laughs> well, I can't wait to see it. Right. So the, the final thing then is our Spotify playlist. Following the COVID lockdown back in 2020, we set up our Spotify playlist. The idea was to create the ultimate musical theatre playlist. Neil King and I, we put 10 songs into the playlist each just to get it started because no one really wants to listen to a playlist with two songs. So every guest that we've had on since we set it up has added a song to the playlist. Looking back at the list we've got, uh, we've got Tony Eccles. He added When I Grow Up from Matilda. Jeff, last time, he added You'll Be Back from Hamilton. Lisa Kreisky added Marilyn Monroe from Blood Brothers, and Liz Dixon added Raise Your Voice from Sister Act. So, Sue, mm. which song would you like to add, and why? I am going to add All That Matters from Finding Neverland. Ooh, lovely. Mm. And the reason I'm going to add that is I just think it's an incredibly powerful song with really beautiful lyrics. And there's one particular line that stands out and it is all that matters now is where I go from here there's an easier way if I live for today the singing in my heart is all that matters and I just think that is absolutely perfect it's beautiful so yeah that's my choice wonderful well Jeff, Sue, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast. Young Frankenstein is running at the Gaiety Theatre from the 10th to the 18th of February. If you haven't done so already, make sure you get your tickets now from villagaiety.com, the Welcome Centre, or by calling 600 555. Sue, Jeff, thank you very much for joining me on the podcast, and I wish you and everyone involved at the Douglas Crawl Union all the very best for your run of Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein. Thank you very much. Thank you. Thank you, Neil. You're listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Right. We've looked back on 2022. Now let's look forward to what's coming up in 2023. As we've just mentioned once or twice, the DCU's production of Young Frankenstein is first out of the blocks in February. The Manx Operatic Society follow up close behind with Annie Get Your Gun at the Gaiety in March from the 18th to the 25th. April will see the return of the Madfoot Easter Festival of Plays at the Gaiety Theatre after a three-year break due to COVID restrictions. This year, however, sees a slight change to the format and sees a mix of both full-length and one-act plays in a combination of the One Act Festival and the Festival of Full-Length Plays. 
This is the first time that I'm aware that the One X will run at the Gaiety, so this is an exciting opportunity for those who don't normally get to perform there. The festival runs at the Gaiety Theatre from the 8th to the 14th of April. Two Feathers Productions are putting on, or should that be, displaying the Full Monty at the Gaiety from the 15th to the 22nd of July. Then we've got Taylorian Productions bringing us Kinky Boots from the 2nd to the 12th of August, with I'm sure what will be another great Sunday night at the Gaiety on the 6th of August. Centre stage round off the year for now, until the pantomime is announced, with Elf the Musical in November. Tickets for all of the above are either on sale now, or will be shortly, and available through the relevant sites for each venue. I'm sure there'll be many more productions, including a couple from the service players, that have not yet been announced. And you can be sure I'll aim to chat with as many of them as I can. Across the water, some of our locals are heading into new productions. Matt Overfield will be in Mrs Doubtfire at London's Shaftesbury Theatre from the 12th of May, and Perry O'Dea will be appearing as Angie the Ox in Guys and Dolls at the Bridge Theatre, alongside Daniel Mays and Cedric Neal from March through to September, and Ben Caron will continue in Les Mis. And Sam Barks also continues as Elsa in Frozen. Sam also has a solo concert at the Theatre Royal Drury Lane on the 30th of May. So if you can get to London, check those out. Well, with that, we bring episode 41 to a close. Thanks once again to Sue and Jeff for joining me on the podcast, and we wish them and all at the Douglas Choral Union all the very best for Mel Brooks' Young Frankenstein, which is running at the Gaiety Theatre from the 10th to the 18th of February. If you haven't done so already, make sure you get your tickets now. Remember to like and follow our social media pages to get notifications of upcoming episodes and events. Don't forget to check out our Spotify playlist by searching for Manx Theatre Podcast, and that's all one word. There's over 60 tracks and over four and a half hours of show tunes for you to listen to and enjoy. If you have any events that you'd like us to talk about or promote in a future episode, you can contact us through our social media accounts or by email to manxtheaterpodcast at gmail.com. All that remains is to say thanks for listening, and I hope you join me again next time. I've been Neil Callan, and you've been listening to the Manx Theatre Podcast. Goodbye. The Manx Theatre Podcast, taking a look behind the scenes of Manx Theatre. An actor's life for me.